Welcome to the Parent Guide to GCSE podcast. Today's guest is Rachel Friedley and she's here in her guise as the teen whisperer to talk about how to reconnect with your teen daughter. Hello and welcome to the Parent Guide to GCSE podcast. We are here today with Rachel Friedley to talk about reconnecting with your teenage daughter. So first and possibly most important question, did I pronounce it right? Yeah, you did. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Do you want to do us a quick rundown of kind of who you are and what you do? Because I always find guests do this much better than I do. Yeah. Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm a mum of an 18 year old teen daughter. So I totally get it about how you are, what what it feels like to be in your shoes, even in English. So like you, I struggled. I didn't know what to do to make things better. And like you, I felt exhausted and useless at the end of the day. And none of the normal parenting strategies were working. The control, the taking over of our lives, the constant push of society, discipline or punishment. And there was an undertone in everything. And neither of us felt comfortable. So I found it easier to ignore her behaviour. And instead, we resorted to ignoring one another. So that's me, I suppose. I run, oh, I am the Teen Whisperer. And I run a community programme for mums with teen girls, normally age 13 to 18, but obviously there's a bit of a flexibility in there. Um, I also do one-to-one programmes for mums, one-to-two programmes with your teen daughter. Um, Just booked my first ever retreat. Ooh. I was a runner for mums. <laughs> Sorry. Nice. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. And have a podcast called Teen Whisperer. So it keeps so, you out of mischief. Indeed. First yeah. question for me then is, uh, <laughs> with this, with the teenage daughter, where did the first uh, signs of problems occur? I'm only asking for the listeners, not for me personally. Oh, right, okay. with a 14 Obviously. Year old. Yeah. A 14-year-old. <laughs> or, yeah. I'm with you. Um, as we just mentioned, kind of lockdown there were some kind of little underlying things going on beforehand. So my daughter's kind of been through quite a lot of bullying in her school years. And we ended up pulling her out of school. She also has chronic ill health. So she's now got chronic fatigue, which had a knock on effect, obviously, on her schooling. Um, the question was, why teen girls, wasn't it? No, why I started it. When does it kick off? When, it kick when off? did your daughter basically start kicking back? Kicking again? off. Yeah. Yeah, lockdown. Lockdown when everything shut. Yeah. Because we'd moved up here at the end of January in that oh, year. No. Oh, wow. So I had six yeah. weeks to get used to normality and then it all went poof. Best way to put it. Yeah. It's a big challenge for anyone, let alone in a, in a new place away from your friends, although it wouldn't have made any difference with lockdown. But yeah, tricky. I think, yeah. I, I don't know whether we're perhaps just still in the the sweet spot and it hasn't kicked in yet or whether my my efforts to you know not be my mother have succeeded yep and Paul's Paul's going what if she listens to this she might and she will acknowledge that she was very strict and that she and I clashed a lot when I was a teenager did she she? really really a lot and (laughs) and so with Ellie and I, so Ellie's 14, we, I think, get along really, really well, possibly because we're, we understand each other better. And you clash with her more than I do, don't you, I think? Because she doesn't tidy. Well, and because I understand why she doesn't tidy, because we both have 
very wonderful ADHD brains and ours are wired a little bit differently and tidying isn't as a quick and simple process when your brain goes yes but we've got to do this and then this and then this and then this and then we get distracted by shiny things and, and nothing happens I think because because I get her I'm, mm-hmm. I'm less inclined to to get grumpy about stuff like her room because I know what my room was like when I was her age uh-huh and um see mum so it's okay I can say these things because I will confess my faults too um, and <laughs> But yeah, I, I think we're both wondering whether the other shoe will drop at some point and we'll suddenly get the, the kind of monster teenage drama queen that we hear so much about that mm. other people are contending with. So um, in your work, is there, a, is there an age particularly or is it just depends? Depends on each individual teenage daughter's characteristics and personalities, as you politely just put it. <laughs> Um, most are seen kind of 15 onwards but it can start from 13 so therefore your daughter is completely in those two ages really but interesting you mentioned about the, t- the brain about your ADHD brain did you know the teenage brain is completely different to the child brain and the adult brain did you know the teenage girl's brain is completely different to the male brain do hope so uh-huh. yeah we, it's something <laughs> yeah. we talk about as well because it's what, because their brains are still developing, yeah. you expect them to be able to use the rational part of their brain to make decisions, but that's not there yet. It's just, yeah, exactly. You know, it, it's an unreasonable expectation. They're still very much fight or flight. And as you said, boys different to girls. So yep. girls tend to mature that a little bit faster, but still not perhaps what we expect because we look at it with our yeah. brain, don't we? And yeah, 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 yeah. That prefrontal cortex isn't online into the mid-20s so emotional stability organization timekeeping um obviously sorting out your bedroom my daughters were saying she's getting there with girls here not with boys later i'd imagine i don't know about boys because i don't have a boy (laughs) just as simple as that so i can only do mid-20s yeah for girls and boys wow yeah, yeah. Um, a few things. Yeah, all of that stuff you mentioned about her not tidying her room, it's because it's not there. That stuff to do in her brain isn't just isn't there. That organization, that timekeeping, that kind of like, oh, well, this is what I need to do before I do that. And that's what I need to do before that. We've mm-hmm. got that brain, but they haven't. It's not there yet. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it's huge. It's mm. tricky because it's a massive cause of conflict. Stuff like that, particularly, you know, yeah, being organized being on top of stuff why have you left your homework till the last minute all yep. of that kind of thing and I, I think it's easy to forget that they can't necessarily help it but we feel like yeah. they should be able to use all the all the tools that we have to get ourselves organized yeah but that's not how it works and different people react differently to deadlines yep. I need a deadline to get anything done yeah but equally there are people who with a deadline breathing down their neck will just go oh, I can't do it I haven't got time and have a giant tantrum about it instead and not yeah yeah and with the deadline comes perfection as well doesn't it and if you don't want to get it wrong then a lot of teen girls don't bother trying Mm -hmm. because that got that fear of failure so they don't want to put that themselves in that situation so then they it gets worse but in their minds they think it's avoiding the subject completely 
Yeah, and whether that's consciously or not. And, yeah. and then on the other side of the coin, you've got the girls who have left it till the last minute because their brain doesn't realise it exists until the last minute. And then yeah. and then they'll go and they'll they'll spend five hours work until 2 a.m. to get it done. The teachers won't realise that they've left it till the last minute because they they're yeah perfectionism is something yeah yeah I mean quite often we see I've been doing lots of research into ADHD in women and girls and because it affects both Ellie and I and and that's one of the things that you quite often see in girls is perfectionism to cover up for that fact because you're so worried about what other people will think and not someone else down yeah you will go far too far in the other direction yeah make sure that it's just the best that it could possibly be so yeah it's why I think when she does tidy her room when she does get in the zone yeah, yeah. full on it will be yeah know, yeah it'll be immaculate for about 10 minutes but she yeah. will go far too far in the other direction it's, it's yeah. either end of the spectrum and nowhere in the middle I will yeah. be happy with 10 minutes I know <laughs> <laughs> you time it next time she does it then well, uh, I think her, her brothers, who are uh, annoyingly you know, what, twenty, nearly twenty-one, they they have this opinion about because they they've kind of you know, their brains are far more developed and they're better at organising and and being adults and all that kind of stuff. They're not quite there yet. Let's <clears> not be not get too carried away. But uh, uh, one of them will be like, "Well, how about she's tired of room? How about do some time lapse photography over the next three or four hours and just see how it works out?" and it would be quite interesting because it 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 would just be a, a kind of but it's it, it would be a shambles she, by the end of it. So she has the same issue that I think you see when they're toddlers. You know, when you send them up to tidy their room and they get distracted by a toy and you go up oh, to yeah, yeah. and they're just playing with that toy. It, mm-hmm. It's they haven't got as far past that as we'd like to think, have they, as teenagers? So no, teenagers are the next stage of the teenage. If the teenage tantrum is a toddler tantrum, so just viewing it that same way mm. does so help. At this stage, I'm not seeing a huge difference between girls and boys in terms of what we're talking about, because I think they're right, probably okay. as teenagers, young teenagers, they're probably as as bad as one another. Um, one of the questions we've got is, you know, I think it's probably an obvious answer is why did you concentrate on teenage girls? But it's because you have your own teenager and you thought therefore I need to help her better I'm going to research yeah yeah and I started researching down the obviously the teenagers and then I realized there was quite an obvious difference well there's quite a big difference between a teenage girl's brain and the teenage boy's brain and it is how they react to stress so all that pressure all that stress all that constant kind of grading all that constant expectations pressure at school pressures outside of school self-pressure all of that boys don't view it as pressure as such they view it as a way to get them forwards whilst girls view it as a negative and then take it all on board to themselves yeah that's the massive that's the difference one that i see and then the finding that information is really really hard you've got to really dig to find this information so then social media has an adverse effect mainly on teenage girls but also on boys as well I know that but it's just that it's just figuring out the differences of the brains so it's just like yeah and it's not just the brains it's a psychological development as well that people don't talk about again because of a teenager indeed so in terms of the kind of the main causes of those I don't know the, the teenage angst and stuff we've we've talked about the clashes in terms of 
staying on top of things, being organised, bedrooms and that kind of thing. What are the other things you tend to see as being big points of conflict? Big points of conflict, bear with me. can't remember. <laughs> it's that thing of being put on the spot, isn't it? I mean, it is, yeah. I get that in school. If somebody asks her a question, your brain just kind of freezes, doesn't it? Because they're still yeah. in fight or flight. And so freeze, mind goes blank, you panic. Yeah. It's... Yeah, and you go what the hell and I've forgotten the question already so that doesn't take me long because I start reading and then I go oh okay Uh, I was talking about causes of angst causes of angst most of them causes of angst isn't it really pretty much yeah just uh, the biggest points of conflict I don't know whether there's so you're talking about conflict with parents or conflict conflict I'm going to go with specifically between mums and daughters because for me, I remember it was to do with my my freedom and trust levels and mm-hmm. what I was and wasn't allowed to do. Because as yep. an eldest child, I was, you know, flying the flag for my siblings and pushing all yep. the boundaries and stuff. And by the time it was my little sister, mum was just like, yeah, that's fine. You can go plumbing. It's all good. Just make sure you're home before two. It'll be fine. Two. Whereas I, yeah, oh, whereas I was <laughs> battling and yeah it was it was all to do with me wanting to be more independent and more of an adult and her pushing back against that and not letting me I don't know make the mistakes and I totally get that now as a parent yeah yeah. that kind of is that a big root cause do you think that push between independence and being looked after and looking after I don't know yeah. how to explain it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. I'm, I'm just thinking that independence thing, that's quite a big issue because there's a lot of being pushed on them to be independent. And yet, actually, our teen daughters actually need us more during the teenage years than they do at any other time in their lives. So they need us to be there. So they have that pushing back against us, but they also have that need that they want to know that they have a secure space at home. They have that... I call it a safe container where they are boundaried, where they understand what you will and will not tolerate behavior wise, mood wise, whatever wise. Um, it's also about kind of like lost my thread again. That doesn't take much. Um, really doesn't take much. <laughs> the whole um I mean, knowing what to expect, it, it makes sense and it resonates. I mean, if you had a boss, for example, who some days would come in and be sunny and delightful and other days would come in just with just like rage and clearly hadn't had their coffee that day and you didn't know which one you were going to get, it makes yeah. it really difficult to know how to behave and what to do. And, and as a parent, it can be difficult. I mean, certainly as a woman, I know occasionally that my hormones may get the better of me in terms of my mood and stuff like that. Paul is very, very wisely staying very quiet. Very quiet, yes. I am, um, I have no comment. <laughs> but but I know that that's the case, and I I now will warn Paul just like it's just just avoid me today. I'm fine. Yep. I'm fine. Yep. It's all good. Yep. Just avoid me. And so perhaps having that conversation with your teenager as well to explain why you're a little bit more snappish than usual. Yeah is possibly useful because she's yeah. going, to be going through the same stuff yeah and you haven't helped us all if you've synced up and you're both mm. irrational and moody and rage filled at the same time but that goes both ways mm. doesn't it? you're talking yeah. about how you 
tell me or how you tell Ellie that I'm I'm a bit grumpy. Yeah. yeah best. Yeah. You know, I, really, I, I love yeah. the I love the sort of the heads up, as it were. But I figure mm-hmm. from a teenage girl point of view, if if there's that conversation where there's an understanding that it goes both ways, um, you know, if she's not in a great space, just explaining, you know, hormonally, just you know, give me a give me twenty four hours, I'll be fine. I'll come yeah. back down to earth. Um, that's yeah. a, a pretty positive conversation, I would have thought, because at least yeah. you all know where you stand. So. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And as you were saying, it then helps with the the safe space, knowing that you're knowing what to expect, knowing what the boundaries are, knowing what you can and what you can't do and what you can and can't expect from your parent as well. So that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Making sure that that's the kind of environment she can come back to. Yeah. 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 Um, one question I was going to ask about um, one of the things we talk about a lot is the phone and the Internet or pretty phone with the Internet on it. And how they are constantly, male or female, but probably more so female, just glued to their phones. Yep. What's the what's the best advice for as, as a parent to try and sort of get a get a word in edgeways? Because when they're staring and you're trying to have a discussion about something, you're trying to talk about school, you're trying to talk about revision, for example, and they're just glued in, locked on. Um, any advice around that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah sorry yeah where do advice. i start yeah um if you want to have a conversation with them and i'm just thinking have you read my recent blog because this is exactly what it was talking about uh-huh. it was literally to so my daughter is constantly on a screen as i say she's 18 she's still home educated she's out of college she's at home but she's doing bits and bobs at home um she's got her earbuds on And therefore, there is no way of gaining that connection with her, no way of getting into that. So what I actually do is I put my hand gently on her leg. I'm going to use my hand because obviously you can't see my legs. Gently on my leg, on her leg, so that she can feel you there and she can feel the warmth and she knows something is going to go on. Obviously, I have discussed this with her beforehand when she's on. So it's about putting these guidelines in place. It's about putting these boundaries in place that actually, if you want to access her, that's what you do. Because then she can feel it and she can go, oh, there's a feeling on my leg. And then she looks up and she's like, okay, I can see you. You want to talk to me. Takes her earbuds off, puts her iPad down, and therefore we can have a conversation. If you slap her, however, she'll jump out of her frigging skin and she will literally let rip at you because you've made her scared. So that's not the way to go forward with it. But yeah, social media is part of our lives. And I'm... (sighs) I know there are good points of social media, but unfortunately there are a lot of negatives. And having watched the programme on Molly Russell this afternoon, which I didn't even know existed, some people see one I play, um, I know it's needed. Um, Just being aware of the negatives that it has, especially on our teen girls. So they're Mm. just emerging into finding out who they are and who their new body shape is. And as they scroll constantly, 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 they're getting that input of they're not good enough. And also those algorithms, which is a word I never, ever expected to even know what the hell it even meant. Well, I still don't mean, you know, um, or even to bring it into a podcast or anything is about as soon as they click on something, the software behind it figures out that's what they're interested in, will inundate them constantly time and time and time and time again. And I know as a parent, when I've been on my phone or my, well, it's not my phone, I take it off there. It's on my iPad. So if I check it, I'm like, after about five, 10 minutes of being, you've got it. You've been inundated again with more and more of the same stuff. And you're like, 
but I can switch off. But mm. they don't have that awareness. They don't have the brain to be able to go, okay, I need to switch off. I need to come away from this. They just get hooked and they can literally go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, now the next. They've lost all sense of time. They've lost all sense of their organization back down that prefrontal again. They've got no idea what's going on. So yeah, it's about putting boundaries in place. It's not about taking her phone away because that will be the worst thing ever because especially mm-hmm. teen girls, they are connected to their friends on their phones. Mm-hmm. So it's about working with them. And I know that's really, really hard, but it is about working with them to put things in place, to put boundaries in place and then they feel safe. It's so asking them like to... And it's also got to be something before I go into the asking bit um, that you mirror the behavior you want to see in them. I got that the right way around. Yes, I did. So if you say to them, right, I want you off your phone by half past nine at night, but you're still on your phone, she'll be like, well, what the hell? Why are you on your phone? That's not on. So then you need to put your phone down at half past nine. You need to turn it off, switch it off, whatever, put it down, charge it. But she needs to be able to see that what you're doing is what she needs to do. Because that's where that's where confusion comes in. That's where the absolute kind of like mental kind of breakdown goes on. She doesn't know what's happening. Indeed. And then you were talking about asking. Asking. Yeah. Asking her. um, I was asking. I was talking about asking. Asking her what she would like or what she needs. Or words that affect. So asking her what she needs rather than what she likes, because it's about coming up with a what's the word I want? An agreement, a plan as to what she would like out of the situation as well. So we had came up with a plan the other week because we got really fed up when my hubby came home from work and would be literally, you would be having a conversation with him, but his arm would be down here, fiddling with his phone, looking at his phone. What he thought subtly, but it's like all of his attention is down there. It's not, talk, it's not here. It's not with me. So when we're talking to one another, the phone is down. Mm. The screen is down. We don't have it. When we're out and about, we don't take screens with us. When we're out and about as a family, there is no screens. We're making sure we don't have that time. And actually, I have a screen-free day every week. And initially, she wanted to do it as well. It's not quite working at the minute, but hey. But the more she sees me off my screen, mm-hmm. I think it can only help her. So we just need to mirror our behaviours to what we want to see out of them. Yeah, it's true. Okay. And there are, I was going to say, there are lots of things you can set up on your phone. Uh, Focus is certainly on the iPhone. I'm not sure the equivalent on Android, but that, that let you limit what you see at certain points, depending on Which, what's useful at that stage. For revision purposes is, is really cool because... They're supposed to be revising and a message flashes through. Yeah. 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 There's only one winner in that, isn't there? So, yeah. Yeah. Everything on your phone is designed to keep you coming back. That's the yeah. whole point. It's all the pings and the likes and the messages. It triggers that little rush of dopamine. And yeah, all, I was about to say that. Yeah. Yeah. And did you know that actually holding a phone in your hand still gives you that rush of dopamine, even though you're not looking at it? Wow. Mm, I can imagine. Yeah. It's as addictive as apparently crack cocaine. Oh, wow. It does not surprise me. <laughs> mm. uh, it takes me back to my time as a teacher where um, no phones in schools, very clear, um, you know, should not have them in the classroom, In the, you know, shouldn't even be in the school, let alone in your bag and what have you. Yep. And there's always somebody in the classroom who's sitting there staring at their crotch 
Um, <laughs> trying to yeah. really, really subtle. We're about subtle. The fact that, yeah, and it's mm-hmm. you know, boy or girl. It's like I know what you're doing. Is yeah. I, I did not come down in the last shower. Um, so yeah, any any attempt by a teenager to pretend that they are kind of focusing on the conversation with a parent or with a teacher, yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah, never works. Yeah. Um, yeah. They need to they need to you know put it down and put it away or put it. Uh, and we say when revising, put it outside the bedroom door. Don't hand it to, over to a parent because that causes conflict. But just yeah. outside the bedroom door or wherever your revising's door is the uh, the, the best best way because you've got control over the teen has got control over it, but they can you know once they've done the half hour 45 minutes whatever it is they can go and check catch up the world and then go back to work if that's if that's their plan so yeah although yeah. it's worth noting that you may as a parent need to support them with that because that decision yeah. until it becomes a habit that's still executive functioning that's the bit yeah, yeah. prefrontal cortex that makes decisions organizes things prioritizes things gets you started on tasks and so on and it's the bit that doesn't function very well when you have ADHD so when you as you said you're starting to scroll on Instagram or TikTok or whatever it's designed to keep you scrolling and it can be really difficult to break out of that because that requires your brain to make that decision to have executive function and and you don't always have that as a teenager because as we've talked about brain's not quite there yet so yeah i do like the idea though you're talking about you know if you demonstrate the behavior so you're off your screen as well if they are wanting to revise and they put the you agree that put the phone outside the door put your phone with it you can't see that they can't see it everyone's everyone's equal and after half an hour when they're finished or 40 whatever it is you can both go and you know catch up with the world i quite like that as a plan it 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 shows solidarity in the yeah it shows trust and respect between you it builds it yeah and the other thing you mentioned was um the the self-esteem kind of thing the the feeling not good enough I saw a video the other day and that someone had shared and it was a a woman just stood there like this is my normal body she was in a kind of like jumpsuit type thing this is this is what my body looks like however I can press this button to do this filter and suddenly her hips are just kind of gone and shrunk and then she did another one for her waist and then she she just kept adding the filters in and it was terrifying the difference so she was just going so this is me this is what I could be this is me yeah and she was yeah. like I can move around and it was scarily good at carrying all of the different options yeah. with her on the video yeah. and I don't think they necessarily realize that's something that is a capability on a on a smartphone now mm. the people mm. you see on Instagram looking all perfect all the yeah. time nah, yeah and that's not a reality either is it we were talking when we first hopped on, I think there might be a Zoom filter on because I'm not sure I normally look this kind of fabulous, feeling fabulous today. I think it, we might have ticked the whole Zoom touch-up filter thing. And again, that's something you feel like you're on a video chat with someone and you're seeing their real face, but not necessarily. Yeah. There's a lot of yeah. stuff that goes on behind the scenes and, and that's that's got to be really challenging. I can't imagine having grown up looking at all of that magazines were bad enough yeah exactly yeah at least with a magazine you could put it down or you could throw it out the window. Yeah. if you didn't want to read it you could burn it you can't really do that with a smartphone can you no and everyone's got one yeah yes and that's the other thing if you then don't have yours that then makes you the social outcast or whatever if you're the, yeah the one yeah, yeah, yeah. who's not utterly addicted to whatever it is yeah, yeah. And it, it causes dramas and all sorts 
which we get to hear about vicariously now and don't we through the kids indeed, indeed. yeah <laughs> goodness yeah now just going back to your podcast which you mentioned earlier and we'll put uh, the link in the show notes to your website which has got the blog mm-hmm. podcast on it but uh, peer orientation sounds really interesting could you just give us a quick headline and obviously people can go and listen to your podcast and find out more about it but w- what is it what is it it's peer pressure <laughs> it's, the, it's the english way it's peer pressure bear with me i'm just finding it uh yeah it's about society and education there's a bit, bit of education is fascination with teenagers needing to be with their friends 24 7 that's what we said about earlier about they need to be independent from you they don't need to be with you stuff like that and a lot of that is coming from society and culture and they say that they need to be with their friends rather than us as parents but the little known result of this is increasing anxiety, escalating mood swings, aggressive outbursts, which results in disconnection with your teen daughter. And if you're not in the right relationship, and by that mean, I mean she doesn't come to you first with any problems, then it's going to affect all of your parenting. She starts to get pulled away from her friends more and more, and you start to see that she doesn't want to hang out with you as much as you'd like. Yeah. And I think that... That brings me to how do you have any tips for how to be the person that she wants to come to first? Because I know that, you know, there are there are certain difficult things that your teenager might want to come and talk to you about. And your initial response as a parent, your gut reaction might be to to freak out or to panic or to whatever it is. But obviously, if you do that, she's not going to come to you first with it next time because she's not going to want to handle that so any tips for just reining that in i think that, yeah. it's not an easy <laughs> yeah. one no. like, it's not like, an easy one this sounds like a question from about 20 years ago i'm just guessing <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, uh, it's something we we get asked surprisingly often actually just how do i how do i make sure that i can listen calmly when they want to tell me about something so that they will come and tell me about something because you know whether it's them or whether it's a friend who's having a, a crisis you know yeah. it could be something really significant and you know how do you make sure that you you do it right because we always feel like we're doing it wrong don't we yeah in a way um i'm just trying to think how to put this the best way is literally to sit down with her, whether that means you're on one side of her bedroom door and she's on the other side of it. Mm. doesn't matter. She knows you're there. She can feel you. She can feel your presence. And that just helps to regulate her, her heart rhythm. It gets her back online, gets that parasympathetic nervous system getting working. Um, not asking too many questions, not asking a big wishy-washy question. Let's put it like that being quite specific with your questioning as to what's going on for her so like the words how was your day is too big a thing for her so she's struggling and there's a lot going on for her then she's not going to be able to go tell you because it's too much and she doesn't know which one to kind of pull out and which one to talk to you about which one not to talk to you about so maybe if you know that there's something going on for her ask specific questions on that topic So, for example, the other week, my daughter was having issues online and she brought to me a problem. 
and she sorted it out herself but I said to her how how did it work how how did you get on top of it and she specifically told me exactly what was going on for her so I already knew about that but if you don't know about something but you have that feeling that something's going on for her just keep telling her that you're here for her and that you're ready you're um whatever is going on for her you're here for her whatever is going on for her and if she keeps hearing that, she will then begin to think, okay, mom's still saying that. Maybe I can trust myself to go and talk to her. And actually just changing the way that you speak to her as well. So what do you need rather than what would you like me to do? Because that's too big a wishy-washy question again. So what do you need allows her to tune into how she's feeling and then she can go, actually, I just need a hug. And just having that connection really really helps the other side of it flip side of it is something people don't necessarily think of especially us as mums is putting yourself first and making sure that you do stuff for yourself first then you have the energy and the headspace to be able to focus on your teen daughter if you constantly leave your needs to the end of the day you're knackered you're exhausted you're fed up Mm. you're looking confused (laughs) No, no, I, I just, we, we talked about it the other day, and it's just uh, it's to do with the when you're in, on an airliner and uh, they do the safety briefing, yeah. always put your mask on before you help your child, because otherwise, if you're not right, you can't effectively help your, your yeah. child, yeah. whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. By the time you fought to put that mask on your on your yeah. child's I mean, face, I, I you're not doing well. Remember was, where we were talking about oh, it. it was, we were discussing, so I, I had my ADHD assessment yesterday, and, right. and made the decision to go private for it because the waiting list where we are is like three years, I think, for adults, longer for children. And so Ellie and I went on the waiting list at the same time. And I was saying, like, there's no way I can justify doing the private assessment for me, although it's like four times the cost for her, which is insane. And um, sorry, it's four no, times the cost for be, her. Yeah. So it's where the, the place I went, £360 for an assessment for an adult, £1,200 for an assessment for a child. I know. Oh, my giddy aunt. Uh, exactly. Can't and I was thinking, <laughs> and I was thinking, well, I can't do that. I can't put my needs before her needs. That's ridiculous and selfish and awful. And then we realised that actually, because at the moment I'm a little bit on the rubbish side and hormones and ADHD are not a good combination, that actually, if I could get my stuff in order if I can get myself diagnosed and, and medicated so I can be a little bit more straight line and a little less bouncing off all the walls <laughs> then I might actually be a better parent and be in a better place to support her with her stuff as opposed to trying to wait and do it the other way around so and um, so yeah it, it's absolutely exactly what you said it's not doing the thing that we're told we're supposed to do in society and, and put our children's needs first and yep. we'll, yep. we'll suffer and we'll yep. what have you because actually that doesn't make you the best parent you can be and sometimes you do no. have to sometimes you have to model the behavior that as you said that's you exactly what you have to do yeah so yeah. if they see yeah. you putting yourself last and never taking care of yourself and and stuff then they're going to learn that that's what you do you fight on through yeah. and you just you yeah know, exactly you just grin and bear it and you carry on giving these vibes that you're or telling people that you're fine in inverted commons I could say what that word means but I'm behaving um (laughs) (laughs) um, but um they can feel that something's wrong Mm -hmm. 
But then they're like, they'll hide their emotions, they'll hide their feelings when they're feeling absolutely dire. And all that all that does is just escalate the situation when they do kick off because it becomes this massive red rage where they've got no control out of. Yeah. And I've been on the receiving on the end of those red rages way too many times. And I would get physically hit and, ver- and verbally, verbally aggressive. She would get verbally aggressive towards me and she would physically hit me. And she had no idea at the end of it. But that's because she had pushed those feelings down because we're told that time and time again. Mm. Yeah. So it's about making sure they've got an outlet and that yep. you're modeling how to yep. have to do that and, and that we don't do that ourselves, that we don't then yeah. it up and, and yeah. then lose the plot because yeah. we've all had our moments because we're human and that's yeah, exactly. What happens. Exactly. My human beings, not human doers as well. Mm. Yeah. So I, de- I devised or I designed a disconnection to connection roadmap, which is four simple steps. So it's literally the foundation is you, which is <laughs> exactly what we just talked about, self-care. So understanding what's going on for you. So a lot of my mums are in that perimenopausal stage or menopausal stage. I've gone through it early, but hey, hey. Um, so they're in that stage. Um, uh, so I so understand what's going on for them. And it's on understanding what's going on in their brain, what's happened in their way they were parented in their childhood, because a lot of that we bring forwards, as you mentioned earlier. Um, and then the second, so that's the first stage. But without that foundation stage, it's like building your house. If you don't have that foundation, your house is going to fall over. So all the time we're told with traditional parenting strategies that you just have to fix your daughter's behaviours and not worry about anything else. But actually, we need to take a step all the way back to you. So as I say, that's the foundation. And then the second stage is understanding what's going on for your teenage daughter. As I say, that's her brain, that's her development, that's going on. That is those words, hormones, that does come in there a little bit. Um, It's understanding about the whole push-pull, as we talked about earlier, the counter-will, everything is in there. So it's a massive topic, understanding and then you go on to communication so it's understanding how to communicate and then of course the last stage is connection but without though that first stage you can't build on the rest yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense and I think that I was going to ask how do you go about you know if if parents are listening mums who have, have had that clashing that's been happening and they don't know how to fix it I was going to ask how they get back but that that makes a lot of sense that, that yeah map of hmm. yeah just kind of step by step you can't wave a wand and instantly fix it no should there's make. a lot involved yeah hell of a lot it's not one thing because that's what we're regularly told oh just fix your daughter's behaviors and it should be fine yeah. the thing is when we're looking at our daughter's behaviors we're looking at them as the child they were before and that connection we used to have of course as a teenager you're pushing out of being a child you want to be an adult but you're not quite sure where you are or who you are or what's going on for you so you're stuck in this kind of like Whoa! stage that's yeah. the best way of putting that <laughs> no I think that's, yeah perfect that's, that that's was, how I remember it feeling <laughs> yeah that, that exactly. the last question was the uh, the top three tips for reconnecting but I think you've just given us four tips there which is um which is kind of perfect so uh, any other questions so i realized we've taken up at the, probably the full 45 minutes now so I, i've got a question down here i'm going to ask it because i've seen this it. from my research earlier um topics of dogs and cats living together is totally <laughs> random can they yes 
Oh, yes. interesting. Paul may have an ulterior motive here. Just, just <laughs> asking, I, you know. <laughs> Strange, because I've got here on the question, Emily needs to hear that it's possible. Ah, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> uh-huh. Anyway, I've got, no, I've got two cats and a dog. I'm not allowed one because uh, neither of us are particularly early getter-uppers, apart from the school run, and, and apparently dogs need walking. And I well, also at least one of our cats would would eat a dog, regardless of the size of the dog. He he would just that would be it. He's slightly aggressive. Interesting one. <laughs> he would yeah. just he would not tolerate there being he was. He had enough trouble with another cat who's fairly independent. If there were a dog who wanted to pay him attention all the time, he'd just kill him. It's all right. Um, my, my cat, my boy cat, so it's called Sky, put his claws in Maisie's backside one year. Or oh, just nice. after we got her. So literally, after oh, that, man. she doesn't really go that close to him now. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder why. I'm not sure you're helping my claws here, but, you know. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, she loves I have digressed. Um Thank you. Uh, uh, yeah. any, any other? No, any further? I think Just... I think I've no, um, covered all really, my questions. Really appreciate Please. your time because uh, obviously, as right. as parents of a teenage yeah. daughter, there's quite a lot in there for us to uh, to unpack <laughs> and, and understand, and it's all very helpful. So, thank you very much for your time. Indeed. That's all right. No problems. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Parent Guide to Education podcast. Please favourite or follow us on your preferred podcast app to ensure you get notified as each episode is released. We'd also be grateful if you could leave us a great review or rating. See you on the next episode.